Welcome to Indrani's Light Foundation's Caring for the Caregivers podcast. This is episode 22, Remember Who You Are. In this episode, Amy, Indrani, and Jeremy got together to listen to one of Indrani's personal stories and then discuss how all of the tools we teach in our caregiver project training relate to this one story, and then how these same tools can help you remember who you are in your own life. This particular personal story of Indrani's may be a simple story of a visit to a hair salon, but it is so much more as we unpack how values, boundaries, shame, and saying no needs to be addressed in your everyday life. Enjoy the show. Well, hello, Amy and Indrani. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. This is Indrani. This is Amy. Thank you, everyone, for being here. And hello to all of our caregivers uh, joining us for the podcast. Today, we are going to try something a little bit new. Uh, We change up our podcast to try and give you lots of fresh and different material. Uh, A lot of times we share scenarios that you, the caregivers, send in to us from your work and your personal life. We do uh, the meditations from Indrani. We have some stories from Indrani coming up. We've done a two-episode book review. And so continuing to uh, adapt and try out new material Today, Indrani is going to share a recent situation, so a scenario of her own that she experienced. She's then going to talk through that situation and what she was thinking, and then share the steps that she went through with the boundary setting and breaking and resetting that she needed to do in that situation. And then at the end, we're going to have a little bit of a discussion, and Amy and I may share some of uh, our thoughts as well. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Indrani, to, uh, I think this is an exciting story from the sounds of it, so I look forward to hearing it. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Amy. And guys, thanks for coming up with this new formula, so to speak. I hope it, uh, I hope it is, I hope others think it's as exciting as I think it's exciting. Okay, so We'll start, this whole thing is about boundaries, but we'll start with a personal story from me that just happened about three weeks ago in India. I was in India teaching about, uh, you know, how to end violence against women, as I always do. And every time I teach or every time I travel and I teach for in excess of three days, I always take a morning off or a day off. I try to get a massage. In this instance, we did not have time to get a massage in the first city. So when we went to the second city, we meaning the team and I, I I inquired about massages and there were none available easily. But there was a hairdresser on premises. And I thought, oh, great. I'll get a head massage with with oil. The Indian head massages are amazing. And the oil that they use is kind of like lube oil for your car. It's so thick. But it feels great. So that's what I did. I got a head massage. And then 
I got what they call, we call it a shampoo. They call it a hair wash, which makes sense, right? So the head massage and then the hair wash. And as the guy, it's a male hairdresser, as he's washing my hair, he says, your hair is too much thin. And I'm, you know, my head is over the sink. And I hear, your hair is too much thin. And I think to myself, now what does this man expect me to do about my thin hair? I didn't say anything. He says again, your hair is too much thin. A little louder this time, as if I didn't hear it. I say, I love my hair. Notice, I did not go to the thinness or the thickness of my hair. I love my hair. He says a third time, your hair is too much thin. I say, in the same, uh, with the same frame of mind, I love my hair. He finishes washing the hair. He starts to, you know, comb it out. He says, your hair, and I say, do not tell me that my hair is thin anymore. I love my hair. And I'm looking at him directly in the mirror. I'm not upset. I'm actually smiling. He's a little bit shocked. So he, you know, he finishes uh, drying it or whatever with the towel. And we go over to where the hairdryer is. And he starts blow drying my hair. The hair is still so full of oil that it is just slicked down. If any of you have ever seen the Adams family, go look at Morticia's hair. That's what my hair was doing. Morticia's hair was hanging on my head straight down as if I was being prepared for a zombie movie. I looked at it. I said to him, I think there's still a lot of oil in this. No, no, that's, that's how we do it. I thought, okay, I'm going to sit here and let him do what he thinks he's doing. After about 15, 20 minutes of him <laughs> trying to pick up this heavy, heavy oil-laden hair and trying to blow dry it and it just hanging uh, guys, you really need to go and Google Morticia. You will see what I mean. He, the hair is not doing anything. It's not only is it not getting dry, it is so shiny, you could probably see a reflection in the hair because it's so greasy. So I finally just say to him, stop. I didn't yell. I said, stop. He said, wait, I have... I said, stop, put down the hair, put down the hair dryer. He puts down my hair, he puts down my hair, the hair dryer. He starts to say, well, you don't, un and I said, stop. I said, how long have you been doing hair? He said, 15 years. And I said, hmm, interesting. I am 64 years old. I have been having my hair done for about the last 40 years. 
And this has never happened to my hair, where I look like a dead person, other than looking like a person who's very much alive and full of joy. I am leaving now. And I said to him, and by the way, I am not paying for this. I am going to have to go to my hotel room and wash this oil out of my hair, put it in a ponytail, and show up for work tomorrow because I really don't know what you've been doing here. I have wasted almost an hour and a half trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. And ladies and gentlemen, caregivers, Amy and Jeremy, I never raised my voice and I never doubted that what I was seeing was, um, that's the word, was the way it should be. So before I go into the whole, you know, looking at the story from an eagle's eye perspective, as I was telling that story and telling you what I was thinking and doing within the little segments of the story, did anything occur to you from your life where you may have experienced such, hey, what's going on here? I'm not quite sure what I'm seeing. Yeah, for me, the a couple of things uh, popped up in Drani. Um, one is, and this is just not about what's popped up for me, but uh, you talked about how when, when you were trying to explain to him about the, the too thin hair, I just liked how you kept the focus on you, not him. So you were never telling him that he was wrong. You were just saying that you loved your hair uh, and that that was okay. And the fact that you focused on the positive, you didn't engage him about trying to defend your hair or feel upset about him saying your hair is too thin. You just focused on your own feelings and your own uh, enjoyment of your hair. And so I like that side of the conversation. And I think a lot of times when we can keep uh, disagreements when we're having them focusing on ourselves and not using the, you know, you did this or you are wrong, it, it can really help with the relationship and the positiveness of those disagreements. Uh, so that really, really stood out for me. That was big, Jeremy. I got the same, the same thoughts come in. So Indrani, first of all, beautifully done with him. And this is the kind of thing that uh, where I think humans bring their ego in a lot to where they begin to shame and blame and, you know, point out where th what they're doing wrong. And uh, I just uh, really admire and love what you did in that situation and not blaming him and not really. Hmm. Thank you, Amy. Uh, so as this was happening to me, as he was saying, too thin here. Now, this is the eagle's eye perspective. Dear caregivers, I want you to know that I have been dealing with my thinning hair for about seven years. And I have been going to the dermatologist and getting it treated. So I had a chance to go down that slide of, oh my gosh, 
all of the work I'm doing, my hair is still thin. Instead, I knew that I was taking all the steps I could humanly take to keep my hair the way it looked. If I hadn't taken any medical steps, I probably could have been bald already. But I have been taking a lot of steps. I get all kinds of consultations about the my thyroid and my hair and my scalp and it's a it's a whole it's a holistic thing with the body and the hair. So I had a chance to oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough. But instead I knew that I was doing not only enough, but more than enough. And it never occurred to me that he could be right, because even though my hair might have been the thinnest hair his hands had ever touched, it was perfect for me. What was he comparing it to? Was he comparing it to another 64-year-old with thyroid issues? Was he comparing it to the last person he touched, which might have been 21 years old, with hair from here to the moon? I don't know what the comparison was, but guess what? That was so that was sweet. Thinking he has a piece of truth. The other thing that I realized from you know thousand foot view was that I sort of kind of knew that this man was a little bit off from the very beginning. He said, the hairdresser, this is the first thing he said, the hairdresser didn't come today, but I can do it. And I said, you're a hairdresser? Yes, yes, I can do everything. Now, at that point, my hair was full of oil because somebody had already given me this oil massage. And so I was standing there with lube dripping out of my hair, and I thought, well, you know, how bad could it be? He'll at least wash it, he'll blow dry it. I might look like a mop, like I'm, I got, you know, my hair got stuck in an in a electric socket, but at least the oil will be out. So that was the first thing that I think I did wrong. I didn't I didn't press hard enough to say, when was the last time you did this? When you said you could do everything, what exactly do you mean? I was just focused on, can somebody please get this oil out of my hair? And as he continued with, you know, not shampooing the oil out and insisting on blow drying oily hair, I just kept telling myself, hmm, but Indrani, you knew this, you saw this going into it. I sat there a little, I think I sat 10 minutes longer than I should have because I kept hoping for a miracle. Well, maybe, 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 but after 15 minutes of, oh no, there's no miracle here. Morticia is alive and well, and she is sitting on my head. Then I decided to just say, stop, stop. I had to say stop 
three different times, if you remember from the story. Each time, the stop was delivered as one word with the same tone of voice. Stop. Now, here's what I know from having traveled to India quite a few many times these last few years and interacting more with, with Indians. It is my experience, and I'm sure, you know, I cannot talk about a whole country, but it is my experience that generally Indians are not very direct. So when I say stop, he was shocked. What, this is a direct stop? Uh, surely she doesn't mean that. And the other thing is, I'm an old woman. I'm supposed to kind of know my place. So I was very direct, and I was in charge, not him. And he, I think he had a hard time understanding that. But that was not my business. I was not going to say, hey, let me tell you why I want you to stop. It's because, you know, the hair is not looking so good. Nothing, none of that. It was just stop. And then I said, I am not paying for this. I didn't say, I hope, you know, I'm not paying for this. I didn't say, I hope you don't put this on my hotel car. Nothing. Simple sentence. I am not paying for this. And I left. What I didn't say is, I then told the manager of the hotel, I went straight to the manager, I said, look at my hair. He looked at me, I said, you like it? He didn't say anything, I said, yeah, right, you can't. I just had it done at your salon, this is what I look like. I told the guy, I'm not paying for this, please make sure that there is no charge on my bill for this. And I didn't complain anymore. I went upstairs, I washed it out, I wrapped it in a towel, I went to sleep. The next day, it was what it was. So, it, it, when I was thinking this morning, you know, we were going to be doing this, this different way of podcasting, I thought, there are things that happen in our lives all the time, every day. And if we remember who we are, and if we remember what we like, about ourselves and what we know to be true, then we have the chance to always set the boundary around our truth and not allow a lie to infiltrate the truth. So the lie could have been, your, you have, your hair is too much thin. Sir, that ain't got nothing to do with me. That's your truth. My truth is I love my hair. And then the other truth was inside my head. Hey, my hair has never looked this awful coming out of a hair salon. So my 40 years of experience of getting my hair blow dried, none of that experience matches what I am seeing in the mirror. Therefore, something is wrong with this situation as opposed to something is wrong with what I expect. Jeremy and Amy, does that make sense to you as I, as I uh, try to unpack it from the eagle eye perspective? Yeah, I think a bunch of stuff uh, 
really stands out for me, but the, one of the most powerful ones I think in Drani is when we're in situations, whether it's at home or at work or at a hair salon, I think the thing that, that this story really shows is that we need to be centered in our own desires of what is allowed and what is not allowed. And we have to base our boundaries on our own reality and not worry about the other person. Because like you said, we don't know where that other person is coming from. And we don't want to make assumptions of where they're coming from. When we set our boundaries, we want to stick to our own boundaries. So like you said, you don't know whose hair he's comparing it to. So what does your hair is too thin really mean? So let's disregard his view of that and focus on your view that your hair is beautiful and that you love it. And I mm-hmm. think this works for all sorts of boundaries that we set is I know myself, when I set a boundary with certain people, I'm often worried about what their reaction is going to be or, you know, how they're going to, to deal with my boundary. And what this story really shows me is I can't be making those assumptions about the other person. I can't be living in their view of the world or their reality I need to focus the boundary that I'm setting on my own life, my own situation and my own understanding of what's going on for me. And that's going to make the boundary support me better, be more powerful for me and get me where I really want to go. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy, I'd like to add that the only way you can do that is to live that who you are, what your truth is, every single day. It's not something that you put on a shelf and take it, you know, to different, different places, different events, different pieces of your life. If you do that, if you only remember who you are in certain situations, there are more people lined up to lie to you about who you are than, than you can count. So we always have to know who we are. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that brings up again, because we've talked about it quite a bit lately, uh, on how journaling can be really important. And again, it's something I still struggle with. But if I think back to when I keep my gratitude journal and I, I write down what's happened during the day and what I'm grateful for and what I've accomplished, that really helps me keep more centered in the things that I'm doing that are positive the things in my life that are good so that I don't necessarily listen to somebody else's comments to me and spiral down into my own feelings of, of shame about something that's happening because I forget who I am and I forget the great things that are going on in my life. So as a real practical tool for, for this story, you know, journaling in your case about all of the stuff you've done to, to work with your hair, you know, gives you that, solid ground to stand on when he said something like that. And as I, the days I do journal, I can really feel that more grounded, solid uh, foundation to my life versus when I go for long stretches without journaling. Yeah. And, and Jeremy, I'm glad you knew that I have been journaling about my journey with my hair. So when I go to the dermatologist, a journal entry could look like so grateful that my dermatologist is uh, taking me seriously. The shots hurt. So grateful I have the healthcare insurance for the shots, right? So that's been happening for the last seven years. 
that I have been trying to save my hair. And so it's front of mind that I am taking so much care with this thing that this man is trying to disrespect. I wasn't having any of it, but I also wasn't going to give him the story. You know, I go to a dermatologist. What do I care? He doesn't deserve any explanation about my life. Yeah. How about you, Amy? Yeah, this story uh, really stirred me in a way to, again, as you always so beautifully do, is remind us about our boundaries and <laughs> really uh, taking a look at our values and what we're holding for ourselves. So what came up for me is, you know, I'm a retired police officer and private investigator. And so... Mm -hmm. Normally, folks like ourselves are pretty good at our boundaries, right? We have to be. <laughs> um, I mean, we have to have the boundaries of, you know, bad guys wanting to attack us or, you know, whatever the case is, right? And we mm -hmm. hold those very strict boundaries that are very clear. Do not take one step closer to me. Giving them clear instructions about how I feel safe. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm dealing with a witness or I'm or a suspect, for example, I would give them clear boundaries and instructions about how things were going to be. So I have this uniform. As soon as you put the uniform on, then I was clear about my boundaries. Mm. So when I hung up the uniform and hung up my <laughs> uniform, for example, <laughs> for some reason, why does that go away? That went away for me. Mm -hmm. I was not... Mm -hmm. That anyone that has some kind of uh, expertise or power over me in that moment, for example, and in your case, it was a hairdresser who supposedly had this expertise that was more than what you knew. In my case, and j just so happens, it is also a hairdresser example because it just recently happened to me in which they have this mm. expertise so I feel like I can't say anything because they must know what they're doing more than what I know that they're doing. <laughs> so, for example, I walk into the, my usual place that's one of those walk-in haircut places because I've got a kind of a busy schedule and rarely can do haircut appointments. <laughs> so I don't have control over who does my hair that day. But as soon as I walked in, and had like a 30 second conversation with this person that was going to do my hair, I knew in my body, I knew in my mind based on just their demeanor, the way that they were conversing with the other hairdresser and also myself, I went, Oh, this is not going to be good. I just, mm. and instead of me saying, Hey, you know what? Um, I just realized I have an appointment you know, or a meeting, I have to turn away and come back later, you know, and stopped it at there because I knew in my body, I knew where my boundaries were and I read my body very well. But instead, mm. because this place is in the community in which I work in, people know me as a business owner there. They know me by sight. I didn't want mm. to, you know, make any waves. So I went, okay, it'll be okay. They have to have some kind of experience. I'm kind of there, right? And as you might know, so I can cut this oh. short, <laughs> as she did with my hair, because I only wanted to trim. My hair ended up, mm. I was close to bald by the time, <laughs> you know, she got bald. Right? 
and but she just wouldn't stop cutting even though I was saying yeah I just need a little trim you know be careful (laughs) so it's like you know maybe the caregivers need to really almost visualize them putting a uniform on at times and Mm -hmm. my uniform this is these are my values that I'm holding this is where my boundaries are and then feeling like they can really uh, hold those boundaries for others because they're wearing that uniform that day I I don't know I I would really open it up to you and Jeremy to offer is visualization that way helpful for them to see boundaries a little bit better and stand up for themselves a little stronger so, Amy, when you said about putting on a uniform, uh, this this um, this season at the designer Alice and Olivier, they have bags that has the word feminist, 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 feminist all over it. And I bought a feminist bag. And I love carrying it because people are going to look at me and go, oh, she's a feminist, right? Because <laughs> If I'm carrying that bag, there is no doubt that I'm a feminist. And if you're even thinking about crossing a feminist boundary, you're going to think twice. (laughs) So I am wondering if we could come up with a t-shirt that says boundary, 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 boundary. I love it. (laughs) Yes, I hold my boundaries. Right? (laughs) And maybe that's a uniform. I don't know. Or a scarf or a necktie or something. Because... But that wouldn't have occurred to me if I wasn't carrying my beautiful new feminist bag. I love my feminist bag. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. When you ask about whether, you know, those visualizations work and, you know, some people might not be comfortable with the idea of putting on a uniform or or carrying a bag that that spells it out. Uh, But there's lots of (laughs) visualizations you can use. So I think it's a great point you bring up. When I worked at the crisis and suicide prevention line, uh, part of our training was coming up with some sort of physical or visual or mental switch that you would activate when you went on shift and then you would turn Mm. off when you left your shift so that you had these artificial visualized boundaries around your work there because it was very intense work. And so my, my own one, which wasn't a uniform, but had the exact same effect of what you're saying, Amy, was when I sat down in my cubicle and got my phone ready and got my resources ready, I would pick up the pen that was in the desk and I would click it so that the pen came out. And when I clicked that mm-hmm. pen, that was my, my visualization, my switch that I was now crisis and suicide prevention, Jeremy, not regular world, Jeremy. And I would do my four hour shift and I would take calls and, and deal with all the stuff that was going on. And the last thing I did after I cleaned up my area and got ready to go was I would pick that pen up again and I would click it. And at that point I mm. stopped being crisis and suicide prevention, Jeremy, and I went back to being regular world, Jeremy. And mm. so I think that, that what you're saying is very true. Uh, you know, it, it's not that you're shutting people out. It's not that you're putting that uniform on to create an unfriendly barrier or you know the feminist bag isn't telling people to to just go away it's just you know it's really beneficial to us personally versus for the other person to put us in a different frame of mind of you know now I'm at work I need to set different boundaries in a different way than when I'm at home with my family 
and something when I go home to my family that I can do to, to get ready to have tough conversations with my family and that visualization could help. But I think it's an excellent tool that you bring up, Amy. So I think that's a great, uh, great thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This well, is guys. Great. Yeah, oh, sorry, Amy. No, it's Go ahead. Okay. I just love the story so much, Andrani, because it does match so many other stories, it, even though it's a hairdresser type of story. But even <laughs> you, added, you added the fact that this could have been a trigger for you. I mean, something, yeah. you know, you feel you might have felt a certain way about your thinning hair that if it were me, for example, I, you know, I could have, it could have really set me off, you know, yeah. and in a way that I was telling him, hey, you are crossing the line and you should never tell, you know, a client that, I mean, just really attacking, you can go in, you know, that would be almost one of those attacking areas that we do the accommodation you know the accommodating the attacking uh or the avoiding right the three a's that we teach and right right me yeah. to the uh, uh triggering area of guilt or shame the attack comes out and you just did a beautiful job and just held your held your own and i really honor that and, and, you know and i could only do that because i know the truth i know my truth yeah Right. And so sometimes someone might say to us, well, I just didn't know what boundary to, 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 to keep. And the question becomes is, what was your truth in that moment? Did you know who you were? Do you know who you are uh, always working to be? Do you know who your best self is? And if the answers to any of those questions is, well, I just didn't know, then that's when the boundary breakthrough from other people will happen. Because if you don't know who you are and you don't know what you want and what you want to protect, then that's a problem. Excellent. Yeah. Well, so uh, I think that was great, Indrani. Uh, Thank you. A quick summary here before we wrap up. Uh, the points that I think for, for all of you listening to, to really uh, remember, and, and you'll find your own as you listen to the story as well, but how important it is to remember who you are. And that comes down to a lot of the Live a Brighter Life curriculum where we talk about your values, your strengths, what you're saying yes to, and doing those things that you need to do to take care of yourself so that you can be your best self. And also, mm -hmm. as Andrani said, remembering all of the great things that you've done to get where you are today and don't let other people's reactions to you make you forget all of those great things you've done and only focus on negatives. The importance of saying no instead of avoiding or accommodating somebody because you may end up with a lot of oil in your hair <laughs> and then at the very end, a couple of, of really practical tools. So using visualizations to change your frame of mind when you need to have a boundary conversation with somebody and using journaling, whether it's, you know, regular journaling, gratitude journaling, bullet journaling, whatever sort of journaling works for you, but to use that journaling to circle back and help you remember who you are and, and what you're doing in the world and what you're protecting. And... I think that those are all uh, my big takeaways uh, from that story and our conversation. And I hope that each of you listening 
uh, finds your own takeaways. And I think that's a wrap. Thank you for the great conversation, guys. And uh, caregivers, keep doing the work. Keep doing your work and using our tools. And thank you for the opportunity to let me share this story and laugh with you guys about it. <laughs> yeah, you, you're welcome. Thank you, Androni. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Caring for the Caregivers podcast. You can visit indranislight.org forward slash support and anonymously share your own questions or challenging situations to be answered on the show. You can also sign up for our free caregiver package resources at indranislight.org forward slash care package. If you have any questions, you can email our team at info at indranislight.org. We hope this podcast has been a source of support and comfort to the amazing work you do in the world. And remember, we see you.